the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Thursday, October the 22nd, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on October 22, 1979, the U.S. government allowed the deposed Sean of Iran to travel to New York for medical treatment, a decision that later precipitated the Iran hostage crisis. Remember when they held our people there for so many, 444 days, I think it was, they were released, the hostages, day one, when Ronald Reagan became president. I think Iran knew that there would be consequences if they didn't, as opposed to when Jimmy Carter was president, everyone knew there would be no consequences to anything much. Today in 1746, Princeton University was chartered. Today in 1797, a French balloonist, he was pretty famous in France, people had been kind of working on the parachute, and they thought it would work. They were pretty sure it would work. It had been tested with weights. It had been dropped out of balloons, you know, those baskets they go up in the air. Well, anyway, this guy, he said he was pretty sure that um, it would work, that he thought it had been tested. So he straps a parachute. The very first time anybody had done this, he strapped a parachute on himself. They went up to... The height is disputed. Some people who wrote about it that day said it, he was 2,200 feet above Paris. Others said he was 3,000 feet. It's a big deal. The people that argue that really argue it. Anyway, he was either 2,200 feet high or 3,000 feet high over Paris. He uh, bailed out of the basket, and he pulled the ripcord, and it worked. First time that anyone had landed safely from a parachute jump. That, of course, has become common now in military, for sure, and in sport as well. Today, in 1824, the Tennessee legislature adjourned. That was the last day of Davy Crockett's political career. He had retired. Today, in 1836, Sam Houston was inaugurated as the first constitutionally elected president of the Republic of of Texas. Today, in 1934, bank robber Charles Pretty Boy Floyd, he was shot to death by federal agents and local police at a farm near Liverpool, East Liverpool, Ohio. Today, in 1962, in a nationally broadcast address, President John F. Kennedy revealed the presence of Soviet-built missile bases. They were under construction in Cuba. He announced that he was placing a quarantine on all offensive military equipment being shipped to the communist island nation. And today in 1986, President Ronald Reagan signed into law sweeping tax overhaul legislation. Well, the Democrats, 1986, today, while the Democrats were saying that they needed to raise taxes, President Reagan said, no, no, no. He said, we're going to cut taxes. That sounds like a familiar strain, doesn't it? We're still hearing that. Today in 2001, a second Washington, D.C. postal worker died from anthrax. 
Remember when the anthrax was being mailed around and terrorists were trying to kill people in the United States? Well, the second one died today, a postal worker. I also saw something a few minutes. Oh, here it is. Um, I was just looking over many things that happened today in history. Today in uh, 1938, a guy by the name of Chester Carlson, he invented a photo photocopier and he tested it. It worked, per, it worked well. It made copies and all that kind of thing. So he tried to sell it. He thought, well, man, these guys that are already in that kind of business will want to buy this. So he, he went to um, IBM, he went to RCA, he went to Kodak, and a number of other well-known brands, companies of that time. Every one of those companies looked at Chester's invention, this photocopier, and they all said they, don't, they didn't see any use for a gadget that would make nothing but copies. One man's treasure is another man's junk. In this case, the big boys were wrong. Chester was right. People did find a use for the copy machine. In fact, I used one already today, this morning. This morning, the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee unanimously advanced the Supreme Court nomination of Judge Amy Coney Barrett at an executive business meeting. You've been hearing the news, have been telling you the last couple of days that they couldn't do it, that the Democrats were going to be able to block this nomination to the Supreme Court because that it required two members uh, of the minority party to be in the committee when they move her, when they approve her, the committee, and move her to the full Senate, which they have now done. Let me tell you what happened. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer he said that the boycott is, uh, they boycotted, none of them showed up today as they had promised they would do. He said it was not a decision that the members of the committee have taken lightly. Of course they haven't because they're trying to destroy this nomination. And the only reason, she's a charming woman, She's a she has seven kids, she's married to a husband, they're in love, they read the Bible, they try to live by the Bible, and oh yes, she's pro-life. <laughs> That's what's wrong with Amy Coney Barrett. She believes that life is sanctified, that it's sacred. That's their problem. She is highly qualified by all accounts, people on both sides, the left and the right, in academia and in law and so on. They say, wow, she's brilliant. She's unlike maybe anybody I've ever met in this business of law. It's not her qualifications. That has nothing to do with it. It's her beliefs. It's her religious beliefs that these people are fighting against. And they have the same feelings toward anyone else. It just happens that you and I haven't been nominated to the Supreme Court, or they'd be after us as well. That's what it has to do with. But Schumer lied again this morning. He said, this is a, not a decision that we have taken lightly. But he said, I'm quoting him, the Republican majority has left us no choice we are boycotting this illegitimate hearing. Illegitimate? 51% of Americans, all Americans, Democrat, Republican, Independents, 51% agree that she should be on the Supreme Court. The Democrats are so out of touch, they don't, they don't even care. They know it, but they don't care. The uh, Judiciary Committee chairman... Lindsey Graham, he said, and I quote this morning, that was their choice. He said, it will be my choice to vote the nominee out of committee regardless of what they do. 
He said, we are not going to allow them to take over this committee. They made a choice not to participate. So, he said, he said, we're going to proceed. Schumer had said on Monday of this week, he said, the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett is the most illegitimate process I have ever witnessed in the Senate. He spent, he spent his whole life in the Senate. Most of these people are career politicians. I mean, that's all they've ever done. How do they get so rich? I'll tell you a little bit later. By just drawing a salary as a civil servant, as a public servant. It's an amazing miracle that happens to most of them. They go there without any money. They come away multimillionaires. But anyway, but that's what they do for their life. Schumer is certainly one of them. But anyway, he went on. He said her potential confirmation will have dire, dire consequences for the Senate, for the Supreme Court, and for our entire country for generations to come. That's a quote from the leader of the Democrats in the Senate. Graham, on the other hand, Lindsey Graham, the chairman of that committee, he said Barrett will receive a vote despite the rules of the committee requiring that at least two members of the minority party be present for the committee to transact business. Graham said this morning, he said, before the hearing, he said, I will waive, he said, we have the right, legal right, to waive the committee rule of the two minority persons. He said, I will waive that committee rule in order to report Barrett's nomination to the full Senate. He said, under the committee rules, you need two members of the minority to conduct business, but they're intentionally denying us that participation. He said, they're boycotting the committee, so what I will do as chairman uh, will be a majority of the committee, with a majority of the committee present, we will waive that rule, we will report Judge Barrett out, meaning they will approve her and send her out of the committee, she will go to the floor, and hopefully, Graham said this morning, by Monday or Tuesday, she will be on the Supreme Court of the United States. Well, Graham said he had a real awakening in the Brett Kavanaugh hearing, and he said, I will never be the same, and I will not treat the other side the same as I would have. And he isn't. And he shouldn't. Because this is a woman that should never be blocked from the Supreme Court. Yes, she's pro-life, but even if she wasn't, she's highly qualified in her own right. And that's what these hearings are supposed to be about, but they're not. The Supreme Court is one of the reasons that many people voted for Donald Trump. I will tell you honestly, I, I didn't choose Trump when the primary started back nearly four, well, four years ago now. I was looking at Ted Cruz and some of those guys. I mean, I, I think they're great, and they are. Trump rose up through that, and in the end, I supported him, and I do support him. And one of the main reasons, there are several now, He's delivered way more than I expected. He has actually kept his promises to the Christian community. I mean, that's kind of an amazing thing in politics as we know them, but it's true. But the Supreme Court was one of the reasons that so many evangelicals voted for Donald Trump the first time around and are doing so again this time. The Supreme Court is a big deal in America because our founders wanted it to be. There's a separation of power, and there's three parts to that, and the Supreme Court is one of them. They're not the most important, but they're one of them equally. But it's a big deal. 
Thursday morning, this morning, CBS News aired a preview of their 2020 Democratic presidential nominee, Joe Biden's interview. Nora O'Donnell, she's the the main person on their news evening news at CBS. She's interviewing him. She has interviewed him already, and it's set to air on 60 Minutes on Sunday, this coming Sunday. Biden told O'Donnell that if he's elected, this is going to air on Sunday, but I'm giving you a little, um, a little update ahead of time. Biden told O'Donnell if, if elected, he intends to put together a bipartisan commission to look into how to reform the court system because it's getting out of whack. These are his words. This comes as President Donald Trump, uh, CBS says, has nominated a Supreme Court justice in the final year of his term to move many Democrats uh, toward criticism and threaten to retaliate by packing the court. If elected, <laughs> I'll put together, Joe Biden is telling CBS to be aired Sunday, if elected, I'll put together a bipartisan commission of scholars, constitutional scholars, Democrats, Republicans, I can only imagine what Republicans would be on that committee, liberal, conservative, and I will ask them to over 180 days come back to me with recommendations as to how to reform the court system because it's getting out of whack the way in which it's being handled. Biden continues. He says, it's not about court packing, <laughs> of course. And he says, I'm quoting him, there's a number of things that constitutional scholars have debated, and I'd look to see what recommendations that commission might make. So Nora O'Donnell says to him, so you're telling us you're going to study this issue about whether to pack the court. No, no, Biden says on this yet-to-be-aired program, there's a number of alternatives that go well beyond packing. So are you still, you evangelicals, so-called, are you still going to vote for Biden? If you do, the Supreme Court will become an activist committee on behalf of the far-left progress, so-called progressive movement in this country. Honestly, that's where we are today. We live in a country where wearing a mask has become a virtue. Used to be telling the truth, no longer. Not in the world of progressivism. Dr. Fauci made headlines on Sunday again. <laughs> He was condemning the event that was held at the White House last month when President Trump announced the nomination of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. He said, and I'm quoting Dr. Fauci, he said, when I saw that on TV, talking about that gathering they had, and he announced that he was nominating her. She and her husband, family were there. It was a wonderful thing. Do you know that her support publicly, I mentioned a few moments ago that it was 51%. It's risen 14 points from where it was originally because people didn't know who she was. As the American people have gotten to know her, they have become very supportive of her. 14 points in three weeks. Their, her popularity has risen, and 51% of Americans now say she must be. She must be seated on the Supreme Court. So Fauci says, when I saw that event, he said, I'm quoting him, Oh, my goodness, nothing good could come out of that. That's got to be a problem. And then, sure enough, he said it turned out to be a super spreader event. He said, 
He said those 150 people there, he said they should not have been gathered like that. He added, he was, I'm quoting him, absolutely not surprised that President Trump contracted COVID-19 some days later. Now, Saturday, last Saturday, he had no comment. He was asked by the Washington Post, or by the Washington Examiner, what he thought about the Women's March in Washington, D.C. Thousands, thousands, perhaps 10,000, thousands of of people gathered in Washington, D.C. last Saturday to protest against Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett and President Trump for nominating her. The whole thing was about that. Fauci was asked about that by the Washington Examiner, and he said, I have no comment. Why is it so concerning when 150 people meet in the White House on the lawn there to celebrate a nominee to the Supreme Court who is beyond highly qualified, and oh yes, she's pro-life, I saw Franklin Graham there. I saw Laura Ing. I was looking at those 150 people there as much as I was at the at the nominee. I saw all kinds of people that all of us would recognize. You see them from Fox. I mean, the conservative ones at Fox. Most A lot of them aren't anymore. I saw Franklin Graham and his wife there. I saw people. Man, I was recognizing people all over the place. Maybe you were too. That was a great event. But that's condemned by so-called science. Well, thousands of people. I mean, just up the street. Thousands of people are yelling at the top of their lungs, shoulder to shoulder, in opposition to the President of the United States and to the nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, to the Supreme Court, because not that she's not qualified, it's simply because she doesn't believe in killing unwanted babies before they're born and sometimes as they're being born. That's a horrible place for us to be in, but that's where we are in America today, and I wish I could tell you everything was great. It's not great. This country hangs in the balance. I'm hesitant to compare it to Babylon because I don't think it's that bad yet, but I will tell you, we're stumbling in that direction, and we're stumbling into Sodom as well as Babylon. We're partying on in America and saying, oh yeah, boy, I don't like Trump. I don't like the way he tweets. Well, I don't either. But I don't think any Christian should be prepared to vote for an agenda that is so dark and so shady and so anti-biblical, often in the name of the Lord. Oh, yes. Oh, we have a strong faith. Joe Biden has a strong faith. Kamala Harris. Oh, I have a strong faith. I was raised in church. I don't think that'll be the test when we stand before God. He won't ask, were you raised in church? What he's going to ask is, what did you do with Jesus Christ, my son, who died on a cross and was resurrected from the dead? What did you do with the principles of the Bible? Did you incorporate them into your life, living under the power of the Holy Spirit and the grace and the forgiveness of a resurrected Christ? That's the question. And when I look at our culture, i got to tell you, and I... I get emotional about this because I've lived my life for the gospel and I see people standing on it and wiping their feet on it to get a political point with uninformed and stupid evangelicals who really aren't. 
that's where we are in this country today. I feel fairly strongly about that. <laughs> Excuse me, I'm, I'm sorry. The kinds of things that are going on in this, in this country today, and I love America. I have a big flag. <laughs> I love America. Not more than the kingdom of God. But I believe God has blessed this country. God has used this country. We become, have become not only the most prosperous, certainly we have, but we've become the most, the most loving, the most kind, the most generous, the most good Samaritan-like. We're the first. We do the most when there's a tragedy. Much of it is done by Christian organizations that are allowed to flourish in America. God has blessed us. We are exceptional. It doesn't matter what Barack Obama and Michelle slobber all over the place. It doesn't matter what Biden thinks. America is exceptional. It's a wonderful place, and it doesn't need to be ruined by people who stomp on the word of God while claiming to be have a deep, profound faith. No, they don't. The Catholic Church, I talked about that yesterday. The Catholic, Catholic Church is saying all over the place, Biden is, is not a, a, a devout Catholic. In fact, one cardinal said, I noticed this morning, made a statement. They said, he's not one of us. This is a spiritual matter that's going on in our country. It's not about politics. Politics is merely the vehicle in which it plays out, as opposed to war in the third world countries that I've been in. And I've seen this kind of thing in third world countries, but I never thought it would happen here. When our founding fathers crossed the Atlantic, they did so in the name of freedom and liberty. When Alexander Hamilton founded the New York Post, he did so in the name of free press. When our founders created our Constitution, they did so in the name of freedom of expression, freedom of speech. Now Zuckerberg, with his smirky smile, and Jack Dorsey, they've changed everything. They believe free speech should be allowed selectively and sadly. And they have the power to do it because they run and own the majority Twitter, and Facebook. Hamilton is rolling over in his grave, and free speech in America is about to be put in one. And I think it's time that conservatives and Christians wake up and do the right thing. As the public has become aware of some of Hunter Biden's shady dealing with foreign countries, his father, Joe, whom the polls show is going to be the next president of the United States, of course, the polls showed that Hillary was going to be the next president of the United States four years ago. But Joe has repeatedly said, I've never spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. I'm looking right at his quote. I'm quoting it verbatim. When the New York Post broke this story, and I've talked about it just the last couple of days because it's a big deal. I mean, it's really big. It's so big that Twitter and Facebook are working overtime to kill it. And they can't. It's getting out. People are finding out about this. But these thousands of emails clearly involve Joe Biden. It isn't just Hunter's shady deals. According to the emails, Hunter has paid millions of, has been paid millions of dollars, $10 million of which was set aside for Hunter's big guy. I will tell you this now. I, I haven't had a chance to look into this because of time this morning. But there's now a report out there this morning. I'm going to look at it after this program. We'll certainly mention it. We'll talk about it tomorrow. There's an eyewitness, a person who was part of those conversations that has now come forward under oath and has given a testimony that he heard all this and Joe Biden was very much, he was one of them. 
and he's a base. I don't know the details. I just know that he's turned and he's made this this testimony and this, I guess, a confession. I don't know what it is, but he's a legitimate guy and he's known to people. I saw his name. I didn't recognize it immediately, but he's known to people on the left and that he was in these meetings. He heard this with his own eyes and ears. And he's saying, no, Joe knew all about it, and Joe was very much involved about it. So was his brother James and other family members. And they even have a list of Democrat um, people in office in the Senate and the House that they were going to contact, to include, including Kamala Harris, who's now Joe Biden's pick for vice president. I mean, it is ugly and awful. And I'll give you the details tomorrow on this program. We'll get into it a little more. But I will tell you, this thing, as it begins to sink, we're seeing now the biggest tech companies in the world, and they control most of the information. They are now selective censoring to try to save the candidacy of Joe Biden. A guy at um, the New York Post, their, their web, I mean, that's, they're the fourth most read newspaper in America. Their Twitter has been blocked. And they've been blocked on Facebook. The guy that is the one of the editors of the op-ed parts of that newspaper, his personal personal Twitter account has been blocked. He tried to put something out about this email scandal and this laptop thing with the Biden family. His name is Sorab Amari. He said this is a big tech information coup. This is digital civil war and that's exactly what's going on in our country it's interesting that they have not at all tampered with the account of Louis Farrakhan he's a leader the most prominent figure of the nation of Islam he's a black militant supremacy hates America talks about it all the time he's doing great on social media they haven't blocked him at all Richard Spencer he's an anti-defamation guy the anti-defamation league in fact calls him a white nationalist, a symbol of the new white supremacy. He he hates African Americans, Hispanics, and Jewish people. He says so. Oh, he has an account on the on, This isn't about content or hurtful content, as they say. It's about rigging an election because they want America to go left and go down the hill on a slippery slope. And that's exactly what these people are setting up for America to do. Venezuela's Maduro, he's a guy that calls for the bringing down of America. Oh, he's got his Twitter account. It's working fine. I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing. We'll see what happens. Senate, the Senate is taking some action today. I'll keep you posted on that. I questioned in an article that I wrote today whether or not they would act before the election. I thought maybe they wouldn't. It sounded like, but Ted Cruz made them. He forced the Senate to take action. They have now subpoenaed the two leaders of these two companies, Facebook and Twitter. Oh, there's much more, but we'll, that's why we're on every day. We can't get it all in in one program, so we just keep talking. And we do so because you support us. Thank you so much for your support. Men, we need it. It's Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can contribute online. Go to faithandfreedom.us. 
and there's a tab there it says donate just click it go in there and it'll prompt you and you can do it more and more people are donating online actually but either way thank you for your support and thank you for being here today we'll continue this conversation right here tomorrow